Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, amen. How is everybody? I'm glad that you're here today. You guys look beautiful. Oh, there, I can see you much better now. Hey, you guys doing well? There was an elderly lady who would walk out on her porch every day, stretch her hands towards heaven and say, Praise the Lord! Yeah. Then she'd walk back in her house and go on about her daily activities. Next day she walked out, stretches out her hands and says, Praise the Lord! Finally, one of her atheist neighbors had enough of it and said, We don't believe in the Lord! She didn't stop. She walked back out there one day, said, Praise the Lord! Walked back in her house. Next day she walks back out again. Praise the Lord! God, I need groceries. Walks back in her house and closes the door. The atheist neighbor says, I've got her. I know what I'm going to do. Next day, she walks out on the porch, and there's all kinds of groceries on the porch with a note that says, Praise the Lord. She goes, Praise the Lord. Thank you for the groceries. The atheist neighbor jumps out of the bush and says, I told you there wasn't a God. I bought and paid for those. She stretches her hands back out towards heaven. Praise the Lord. You gave me groceries, and you made the devil pay for it. Yeah. That lady had some assurances in her life, didn't she? Yeah. Hey, would you guys stand with me? She had some assurances. She knew who God was. She had understood her provision. She understood she, God's going to make the devil pay, too. That's pretty good. If you're tuning in by camera, thank you so much. We are glad you're part of us. If you're by podcast, we want to say thank you. And thank you for your beautiful faces. If you will turn to 1 John 1, 1 through 4. 1 John is one of the 12 apostles known for writing the gospel of John. John 1, 2, and 3. And then, of course, Revelation. And here he's writing to a church. And he's saying, listen... There's been some stuff that's been flooding into your church that you need to steer away from here. It's kind of one of those things where people kind of put a little bit of Jesus in there to make it sound like the truth. But it's not the, not the real thing, right? So he's writing to his people. He's saying, listen, I'm going to clarify some stuff. Whenever my dad would look at me and say, I'm going to clarify some stuff, I knew that it was about to get serious. <laughs> so let's get to work, Amen. Let's read. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we've seen it and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed Our fellowship is with God and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so our joy may be complete. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed to You. Speak through Your Word, God. We love being in Your presence. Everybody says? Amen. Amen. Wave at your neighbor as you sit down. Franny, Fanny Crosby was born... Well, six weeks into, into her life, she became blind due to a medical error. So from six weeks on, the rest of her life, she was blind. But she was very, she had a great attitude about it. At the age of nine, she pins these words. Oh, what a happy soul I am. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world content I will be. She was known for saying that she had a jewel in her life. 
She had this thing that she could hold to dearly and it would bring her through. And it was the joy and the ability to be content no matter her circumstances. Well, with an attitude like that, you can imagine how she did author over 8,000 hymns. She married later on in life and she married a musician, a, a, a per, an individual who was, he was blind as well and they had a child, but unfortunately they lost that child close to birth. So she understood pain. As she got older, she was in her lower 50s. She was sitting at her friend's house, Miss Knapp. Now, Miss Knapp was known as be able to put different music notes together and different things like that, and it was beautiful. She was working on a piece, and she sits down at her piano, and she looks at her friend, Miss Crosby, and she says, tell me what this means to you, and she began to play what she had written. Fanny kneeled down and was in prayer for a little bit of time, stood back up, and she said, this is what it means to me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I, I love the chorus to that song as she begins to write this song for Miss Knapp. The chorus, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. So familiar, amen? I don't know how many times in my life when tragedy had struck, when I didn't get the information that I wanted to get, when things were unstable, when things weren't happening right. Ooh, that old hymn rang out to me. Because I had to remind myself that I was convinced that Christ is my story and I'm sticking to it, amen? There is no backing down. There is no backing up from here. Jesus Christ chose me, and I get to walk with Him, and I don't want to do it with anybody else. Amen? And I thought about that many times, and I can tell by your applause, you have too. If I was a guessing man, which I am, I would imagine you guys thought about some times in your life just now where you've had to make some statements. You had to bring in those assurances back to you. Amen? Because we're human. We falter. But I have to thank Miss Crosby for that because I know many times I've looked towards that because she understood the need for assurances in our life. And John is talking to his friends. Uh, he's writing this letter, this epistle. And, and he's saying, listen guys, you've had some stuff come in that's not true, that's not real. How many of you guys like coffee in here? You like coffee? I'm a coffee guy. And I love black coffee. I don't like sugar and all that other stuff. That's foo-foo coffee. Don't want it. You know, people walk out with that. I would tell somebody you're buying it for your wife, not for yourself, man. No. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I like it from time to time, but I like that, that venti coffee, as they say. And, and, and people can't handle hardly a venti Jesus anymore, right? That this is actually what Jesus said, and this is who he was, and if we're going to jump on his side, then I have to align myself to him. I don't get to pick and choose and move him around and put him where I want him. I, I'll take a cup of Jesus with a shot of Muhammad and a little bit of sprinkle of Socrates and Plato in there. And John was saying, listen guys, we can't do that. See, Paul understood this too because he writes to young Timothy, his son in the faith, in chapter 3, second, in, in, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. He goes, listen, he goes, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. That's what you're going to encounter, Timothy. 
And then he goes on to say, having a form of godliness but denying the power. See, if we don't accept Christ as he is and what he said he is, and I don't align my life to him, but yet I want to skew the Bible and the things that he says, then I'm denying the power thereof. Because I gain my power because my hope is in Jesus Christ the way that he is. And he's writing to his friends. And he's writing to young Timothy. And it's not much different than we see today. And the scary part about that is people become so good at twisting and skewing that it seems like the truth. It seems like the truth. And this is what God spoke to me, I believe. Just because it's new and it's cool doesn't mean it's true, right? But, but sometimes we have a tendency to, to jump feet first in and win. And that's what these guys were doing to a degree. Some people would come in and kind of saying, listen, that Jesus, you know, he's, it's not everything that you've been taught about Christ is, from John is really not true. The testimony that you heard, you know, he's maybe not as divine as they say. Maybe he didn't do everything. And John comes back and he says, listen, I'm going to give you some assurances. I'm going to give you some things that you can remember some things that I had already taught you. So today it's going to be some foundation, some pillars that I believe that every one of us can implement in our lives. Because sometimes it gets kind of tricky, doesn't it? Sometimes I think too much and don't just believe enough. Sometimes I don't allow my faith to kick in and just roll with it. I try to rationalize it and justify it and do these things that can put me in a bind. And young Christians, if you're young Christians, listen, you stay close to the Word of God. And let me tell you something. Here at Ray Hope, we preach the Word, okay? We, we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And you can find that up and down these halls, in the children's hall, in the youth hall, and here on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Amen? Can I get an amen from the crowd? We believe, right? But these people were having some issues with that. And he says, listen, I'm going to speak to you about some assurances, the assurances that will bless you. Kind of like that woman that we can go out and scream from our front porch if we need to. Praise the Lord, even when it seems like this ceiling's falling in, right? I'm going to praise you anyways. And the first thing John says here in verse 1, he says, That which, why does he use the words that which? What he's doing is he's drawing his readers' attention. He's drawing these people's attention back to the gospel. That which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. The gospel which was from the beginning. This is the proclamation of the gospel. This is the life of Jesus Christ. This is the teachings of Jesus Christ. This is his works that he done on earth. This is the gospel that when a man will bow his knee or a woman will bow their knee to it, their life will forever be changed. You can't help but see the world differently. Because the gospel causes a man to contemplate. Causes women to contemplate. If we're a Christian and we constantly have this relationship with Jesus Christ, he, he draws us in. And we change. And we develop and we fall more and more in love with Christ. If you're an unbeliever, then you're drawn to the gospel message. <laughs> and God says that happens. His Spirit will draw you nigh. We hear that low rapping at the door that's that constant thing. Saying, come to me, all ye who are heavy burdened. And I, I will give you rest. And it causes us to contemplate. It causes the unbeliever to look back over their life. 
Here's John. John writes one, two, and three books. Then he writes the Gospel of John, then the Revelation of John. I mean, you can go through his life and see the many things that he had accomplished, the things that he had sacrificed, that he had given up. Yet, whenever he's writing the Gospel of John, in chapter 21 and 25, I want you to catch this. This is so good. It says, now there were also many other things that Jesus did. He, he's, in a way, he's kind of summing up this book. He says, listen, I've told you some stuff, but I hadn't told you everything by no means. You know how preachers sometimes, preachers will tell the same joke over and over sometimes because we think it's new or we've done it so many times we forgot. You know, we tell the same story. John, whenever he was preaching, he didn't have to do any redos. He had spent enough time with Jesus and walked around and seen enough miracles that he could tell you something new every time he met you. Not only based off of what he experienced with Christ, but also his relationship, I believe, in his personal prayer closet, because God would speak to him. And he says this, he says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. And you see the contemplation coming on, you see this thought process, where every, where every one of them to be written. So if every one of the things that Christ did on earth, if they were to be written, then we see the comma and we see him say, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books. I mean, this gospel affected John so much. <laughs> it brought him back to the point of his relationship. And he's saying, listen, I've got to tell you something about the gospel. I've got to tell you something about the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. That which, that which changed me, that which changed you. Let's go back to that firm foundation, right? And we see that contemplation in here. We see it like a leader commenting on a crowd when he's asked the question. When she's asked the question, what leader changed your life the most? And that leader that's leading the forum many times will pause a second. And say, let me tell you who has been a great influence on my life. Here with John, we see it as kind of like a father and a son. A father has poured into the life of a son and built him up and encouraged him. And then the son gets that wonderful question, has your father changed your life? And just like John, we see that contemplation mode. We see that thinking mode. Say, do you have a minute? Let me tell you about my dad. And here, here we see that with John. I suppose, I mean, I've told you some stuff about the gospel, but I suppose that if I really wrote down everything, that not only could I not write it down, but the, the volumes couldn't be contained within the world. And, and you see that he's drawn his readers in. You see that he's saying that which, that gospel which changes your life, he's almost saying it out of that enlightenment that can only be produced by spending time with Christ himself. I mean, he's convinced, and we know that because of where it's at here in the Bible. We know that it's the first thing that he says. Let's draw our attention back to the blessed assurance of the gospel. So whenever we're having rough times, whenever we're navigating seas we don't understand, Let's remind ourselves about the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? Let's remind ourselves why we got saved, that this man came down from heaven and his name is Jesus Christ, fully God, right? And he comes down and he gives his life. And we see as he records through scripture that he's moved and that he's loved and that despite people rejecting him, he still wants to accept them. 
And John goes back and he says, that which. And then he goes on and he, he tells us another assurance here. He says, listen, he says, that which was from the beginning. From the beginning. He talks about a pre-existent foundation to his people. He said, listen, you remember. You remember that Christ was here from the beginning. This is a twofold purpose. He says, let's go back to Genesis. And God was here from the beginning. He wasn't created by man. He's not a thought or an ideology. He is God and God alone. Amen? And then he goes back and says, listen, I hadn't been preaching anything different. These old boys that show up and spit out all this doctrine, they're, they, change, they change based on the weather. Me, the same thing that you heard me preach the first day I met you is the same thing I'm writing to you right now. That Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what is he doing? He's beginning to shore the sides, and he's beginning to bring some stability, a focal point. He's saying, listen, remember that Christ was from the beginning. In wars, early in early wars, they would carry what they call the colors. The colors were a flag on a stack, a stick raised up. And many times there would be one man assigned to that, and his job would be to carry those colors into war. That way, whenever the bombs were going off, the gun smoke was everywhere. Men were screaming because of the tragedy of war. Uh, people were barking out orders. Cannon bursts going off. They could look up and see that focal point. They could see that stability, and they knew if that flag, those colors, were advancing, then they were to continue to fight. And that is what John is doing here. He's saying, listen, I want to bring back some stability from the confusion. You've had some things happen. Maybe you've had some people say some things and you're confused. Let me bring back some stability to that. Let me give you that flag. Let me raise it up. And he begins to expose his brothers and sisters in arms. And he begins to compliment, he begins to comment on them and says, listen, this muddled perception that we have of God, and, and if you've walked through some things, you can probably understand, right? Like, like God, why, why is the pain on me? I don't, I don't understand. I know you're a good God, but I have pain. I know that you're a good God, but why do I see my loved one fighting this? Why haven't you healed them? Why haven't you delivered them yet? God, I wonder what's going on. And we don't mean that rude or, or tearing God down. We're trying to figure it out in our humanity, right? But, but sometimes in that, we can get a muddled perception of Christ, that he's maybe not as good as I, I think he is because my circumstances has changed. Anybody else ever been there? And then that's what John's saying. He goes, listen, the same good God that you met at the altar when you gave your heart to him is the same God I'm writing about today. He has not changed. Circumstances change. People change. But God will not change. Let's raise the flag. He was giving them a banner. He was attaching the Lord Jesus Christ's name to it. In Psalm 60, I yell too much, Waylon, I'm sorry. <laughs> Psalm 60 you have given a banner to those who fear you. Oh, praise God. He's given us that standard. He's given us those colors that we are in reverence and awe of Almighty God. Although we don't understand, although it's kind of scary and I don't get it, it's uncertain times and my foundation seems a little unstable, God, I'm going to bring back that stability and I'm going to remember that you don't change. And then I'm going to raise a banner with your name on it and declare that you our God. In an article by Forbes about six years ago, 
They named four pillars of a true leader, of a stable leader. Their first point was a stable leader has a true north. That means they have a moral compass. They have a direction that they know that they're going. Amen? True fathers and true mothers, people who are trying to rear their children and raise a company, that type of thing. They have a true north, there's no question. They also said that you play how you practice. That means the, the, the performance is really in the preparation, amen? The performance is really in the preparation. And then they say these people that lead with stability lead with compassion. They try to put themselves in that other person's position. Uh, we can't get compassion confused with weakness because it's certainly not, amen? What it is is taking a step back and getting somebody else's shoes and saying, I wonder what that would be like for a second as opposed to drawing judgment automatically. And then the fourth one was a freedom to fail. Around those people, it was all right to fail. Because how many of you guys know when we're trying, when we're running the race, sometimes we trip and fall, amen? I know when I ride my bicycle, luckily I haven't had uh, wrecks that I've gotten hurt in. I've been in some that uh, other people have gotten hurt in, and all I could say was, glad that wasn't me. <laughs> Uh, one guy was riding behind me, and he got his back wheel uh, caught up in my, in my tire. <laughs> and next thing I know, I looked over my shoulder, and he flips head first over and breaks his collarbone. And it was my pastor. And I felt really bad, but I was glad that it wasn't me. <laughs> I would have traded places. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> But these people have compassion, not a whole lot of compassion there, right? A freedom to fail. And then I go back with Jesus and I see the great leader that he is. And there was no question. Christ knew he was. He, didn't, he doesn't need us to tell him who he is, amen? He would go out and preach, but he would go pray for hours behind a rock. He would be sitting down on a rock and send his boys into town to get food because he was preparing for an encounter with a woman or with a man that he began to share his love with. He would go into towns and be so moved with compassion that he would heal them all. And then this wonderful thing that we have that's called grace. It gives us the freedom to fail. It's not something that we want to do. It's not something that we chase after. It's not something that we say is okay. Amen? But what it is, is it's saying God's grace will carry me through. I think Pastor says it best, while we're down... When we get knocked off the horse, let's go ahead and pick something up. So when we come back up, we got something to show for it, amen? Yeah. Then he continues to go on in verse 1. And there's a, this is a very meaty verse. He continues to go on in verse 1. The life of Christ. He brings us to another assurance. This physical reality that Christ was walking the earth. He's talking to his friends and he goes, he uses words like heard and seen and touched. Listen, this is, this is not a figment of your imagination. This is not an ideology here. Christ really walked the earth. I know, because I saw Him, and I touched Him, and I, I walked with Him. Can you imagine that day when they felt His nail-pierced hands in His side? And He's bringing back those assurances to these people that seem to have a little bit of confusion surrounding them and saying, listen, go back to the basics, man. I'm here to tell you that Christ did that. Now, this is important. The reason why it's so important that He does this physically is because He shows us in the spiritual realm something very, very, very important. He shows us 
through bringing that physical reality of Christ. That this standard of pure, uh, purity and, and, and righteousness and true love and boldness and godly gentleness, that it's not something that I have to grasp at. Not only can I encounter it through the person of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, amen, but because of him, I can now adopt those principles in my life and begin to walk those out with other people and begin to share the love of Christ. See, what people will do is they'll come in and they'll begin to teach some very mystical things. And if you don't have that mystical understanding, if you don't have that dream understanding, that process, then you're just not as high as I am. You know those teachers out there? I got some special revelation. I got some stuff. And here John doesn't do that. He goes, listen, I walked with Christ. I talked with him. I know that it's real. And what I'm going to do is show you that this righteousness that we chase, that we can have it, that we can walk in that, because we can walk in it through Jesus Christ. Amen? We can accept that grace. Our speech is different. Our habits are different. Our body language is different. Why? Because I've wanted to change? No, not so much all the time. Amen? <laughs> but the reason why I have changed is because I've encountered grace. And I've seen by the best example to ever walk the earth that it can be done. Now, this is the thing. We cannot strive. We strive after perfection. But we know that Christ was only perfect. But what we do is accept is the change. Amen? I'm going to change and change and change until I become more like my God. And that's what John is saying here, that we can do that. He takes it from the abstract to the concrete. I like this one. He takes it from I don't have a chance to do anything to all of a sudden Paul's right and I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Because we have that physical example. John goes on to write and he says, listen, he, he goes on he says, our eyes, I love that, in that same verse he goes, our eyes, we looked, our hands, what is he doing? He's bringing the witness of the apostles into this thing. He goes, and, and as if John's testimony wasn't enough. I mean, you could believe John, Amen. John, I mean, not that they had super huge arenas, but imagine if they would have had 30, 40, 50,000 person arenas. He would have been the guy that they wheeled in in a wheelchair, and whenever he began to speak, you could hear a pin drop. Because he had been around, he had seen some things, he had done some stuff. And he goes, listen, I'm going to bring in my other apostles with me. We have seen, we have looked upon, we have heard. And there are many Christians out there, so-called Christians, so-called people that, I want to be careful not to be judgmental, but the struggle is that behind closed doors, there's laughing about the secret sin. There's joking about secret sin. It seems like with this half of the life, they're honoring God, and this half of the life, they're far from it. And that's denying the power thereof. And, and John says something very important. He says, we looked upon. See, see, there's a difference between I've noticed. Or I talked to somebody who talked to somebody. Or, or I think I've seen that once. No, John says, listen, I've looked upon Christ. Could you imagine what he means by that? Jesus is carted into a town. He is so filled with compassion that he heals everybody. And what are you doing as disciples? You're looking upon you're thinking, I cannot believe what's going on. This is amazing. They had awe and wonder of their God. As Christ began to do these things. 
And if you're struggling with that type of behavior, or how we can keep from struggling from that type of behavior, where we joke about things that we know is not pleasing to God, and maybe we're living that double life, I would say, don't just take notice of God. Look upon Him. Study Him. Say, God, i got to get back to Your Word. What are You revealing Yourself, Jesus? How are You revealing Yourself? Amen? He said, we look upon And he brings us into a cloud of witnesses. The next one that I see here is sharing Christ. Oh, I love this one. Oh, man, this this one's just, I was digging this one out, and I just got excited and happy on this one. Not that the other ones didn't make me excited and happy, but I love this one. Because he's saying, listen, guys, he uses two words in verse 3. He says, you're going to want to testify and proclaim. So what do we want to do? He says, listen, an assurance that Christ is still in your life, that it is the truth that holds you up, is, brother, you got to tell somebody about him. Amen? And he uses two different words, testify and proclaim. Shrek is speaking to donkey in Shrek 2. Anybody like the Shrek movies? I love donkey. He says, donkey, you have the right to remain silent. What you lack is the capacity. Yeah, I know some people like that. Sometimes that gets me in trouble with my wife. Okay? I like the capacity to always be quiet. But that's what John is saying here. Listen, you can remain silent, but once you really look upon Christ, once you really remember how the gospel is there, how the foundation was from the beginning, how we have seen in the physical reality of Christ, you're going to have to testify. And you got to love John here, because I imagine this is not some of the testimony services that we've been at. You'd grab the mic. Oh, I think it's going to be a good day. You know, I think I can look through the bad and see the good, and I'd just like to give glory to Jesus. I, I think we would see maybe a little bit more old school testifying service when it came to John. I think he would get up and grab the mic and say, listen, let me tell you something about the sovereignty of God, that despite circumstances and situation and environment, despite those times that you feel lonely, despite those times that you think God's given up on you, listen, let me remind you He is sovereign. Let me remind you of the things that he has walked through me with. He would probably start declaring the reality of Jesus. His now pierced hands, his, his death on the cross, his resurrection, amen. He would go on and begin to testify about the experiences that he's had from church to church and situation as God provides and provides and provides. I would imagine that John might be a microphone hog. Think about it. You get him stirred up and talking about his Jesus? I mean, he's writing to these guys. He goes, let me, let me explain something to you. Nobody's going to come into a church that God has ordained and set up and begin to spear the name of Jesus Christ, begin to smear it around like he's not who he said he is. Let me go ahead and clarify something for you, brothers and sisters. And that's what he's doing here. I'm going to bring you back to some, some assurances, to some realities. Here we see John continuing to testify. I imagine about the stability Declaring that he is the rock and the foundation. No wonder in Revelation 12, John pins the words, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. He knew something, didn't he? He knew something. One of the assurances 
is that we can go back and say, oh, today I've just got to testify about how good God's been in my life. I know that it might not look like it, like the elderly lady. (laughs) I know it might look like I have no groceries, but I'm going to go out on the front porch and say, praise the Lord anyways, and watch him provide. Then he goes on, and he says, oh, and you got to proclaim it too. You got to preach it, brother. You got to preach it, sister. It's inside of you. You can't help it. I was doing a little bit of research on that word, proclaim or declare. And it's in the Strong's Concordance, you also see the word S-H-E-W, which is the older way of writing show. But it's also there whenever you look up the word manifested, you see that same word show. And it's like John is almost saying, but listen, you're going to want to proclaim and preach the name of Jesus. And you're not going to know why because you didn't put it there. What happened is Christ has come into your heart and then you're going to have to show the world about your new relationship and your new walk. See, this is what John writes, or excuse me, Matthew writes in, in chapter 10 and 27. He says this, he says, What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. So I imagine whenever John started proclaiming, he started preaching, he'd preach deliverance in the streets and in the prisons, amen? He'd go ahead and say, it doesn't matter if we're at a big house or a small house, if it's a large group or a small group, if it's a big church or a small church, what we're going to do is proclaim and preach this name of Jesus Christ, preach salvation unto all, preach that he gave his life, preach that there's stability, because although many other things change, he doesn't. We're going to go back to the gospel. We can understand that woman on the porch. We can understand Miss Crosby when she says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I might not have my side. I, I might not have my child anymore. I might not really know what's going on. But one thing I do know, Jesus is mine. And he will be mine for eternity. Amen? It leads us into our next point. Verse 3 there, he goes on and he begins to talk about that fifth and final assurance. He says fellowship. He says fellowship with us. I love how we see that. He says fellowship with us and fellowship with our Father and Son, Jesus Christ. I love it that he's stretching out his hand here. He's not putting himself as apostle above everybody because he's had some experiences other hasn't had. Because he's seen some stuff that others hasn't had doesn't mean that he's going to separate himself from the crowd. He's reaching out to his brothers and sisters and saying, listen, if you don't take that venti Jesus, if you don't take it like I'm telling you to take it because I know what I am talking about, if you do not hide that in your heart, then you can't have fellowship. But, but, but listen to me, brothers and sisters, John writes, I want you to have fellowship with me. I'm extending my hand. I know I've seen some things and I've done some things, but I'm not too busy for you. I want you to be a part of us. Man, John reaches out his hand and I'm no longer the lone wolf Christian. I'm no longer the only one that feels like I'm floating through life. He's not only taken me to be a part of Ray of Hope, but he says you can be a part of the brotherhood that has been for thousands of years. Man, how powerful is that? And in our life, that's an assurance that we can have. Because we all need prayer sometimes, don't we? Yeah, we all need some financial help maybe on occasion. 
Yeah, we need some things in our life. We need God to speak to us. And sometimes that word doesn't always come like we think. Sometimes I need to join hands with a brother or sister. Maybe, maybe social distance, chicken wing or something. However, we need to do it, right? But we get in the presence of God with one another. And John says, listen, I want you to be a part of this fellowship. And then he goes on, he says, listen, but I've got a greater fellowship that's in store for. It's the eternal fellowship. It's the eternal fellowship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. I love the word that he uses there at the beginning. Indeed. It's almost like he's saying, it reminds me of one of the commercials, indeed, you know. It's almost like he's saying, listen, let's go back to the gospel, back to this thing hasn't changed from the beginning, back to we saw Jesus Christ walk the earth. And let me tell you something, indeed, one day, we're going to get to have eternal fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he brings these five assurances back to his people. And he says, listen, in the times that get tough, the times that are unexpected, situations we don't understand, maybe somebody moves in with some slick hair and some slick doctrine, mm-mm, you got to be careful. We got to go back to the pillars, to the foundation. We have to go back to the commencement of a Christian, back to that gospel. He finishes finally in verse 4 there, and he says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John found so much joy in sharing these. He said, listen, my joy is complete because I know that you're no longer confused. (laughs) I know that I have told you some things that's going to shore up your edges. It's going to bring you back. You're going to think to yourself, should I follow that or should I do that? Well, let me see. Let me, let me, let me see if it makes me want to testify, if it makes me want to proclaim. Has it really been here since the beginning or is it just something that just sounds really neat? And we all find that in our lives. We all find situations that cause uncertain times, causes our, our, our stability to be rocked a little bit. And we all need these assurances, and that's what John knew. He wasn't mad at his brothers and sisters. He wasn't disappointed. In brotherly love, he was riding them and saying, listen, let me draw you back in. And I want you to know this is extremely joyous for me. And I can tell you, if you're in the audience today and you're not saved and you don't know Jesus Christ, it is just like John, it is the greatest joy that you'll ever experience. His joy, the reason why he was shearing up these edges, if you're unsaved, because he was trying to get all the unbelievers and pull them in and say, listen, I want you to believe. I don't want my Christian friends to be confused. But I want you to believe because that is great joy. Matter of fact, we find that in heaven. Whenever one gives their heart to Christ, heaven celebrates. Amen. And if you're in the audience this morning and you say, man, I'm really struggling with some confusion Some things have changed. The ground seems unsteady and uncertain. Can I say that you're not alone? You're in a fellowship. Let me tell you something about Ray of Hope. I came here two and a half, three years ago. And I've been met and been friended by so many different people on so many different levels. Men that I was intimidated by because of their age, and and women as well because of their age and their experience in the ministry and their love for God, just put their arm around me and they love me. I saw it from, from teenagers to kids to the old and to the young. There's fellowship here, amen. Would you bow with me? 
We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.